with us over to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 6. That's what we'll be reading today. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be going into the book of James um, and, and preaching through it, through a, a couple of different um, scriptures in this book. Uh, we find that James is, is very impactful, very encouraging, uh, very good for the believers, very good for the church. Um, we'll talk about who he was actually writing it to and, and how that kind of applies to us in just a moment. Um, but I'm thankful for the book of James, of what we can learn from it. Um, and, and just it's been on our heart. We don't know if we'll be here just for uh, two or three weeks or five or six or however long, long God uh, leaves, leaves it on our heart. But we're going to go through here and, and preach as the book of James il- illustrates through multiple parts of what he teaches, uh, the idea of faith, the emphasis of faith, the importance of faith to the believers uh, Uh, to those in the early churches till to those in the church today. Uh, So we'll see the the theme of faith coming up more than once, um, but I'm thankful that faith is an important part of the Christian walk, and it's something that we all can learn a little bit more of and get a little bit better at at having a life, a, a faithful life, a life full of faith, amen, for God. Like I said, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 6 is what we'll be reading. We're going to be talking about trials in faith, all right? So trials in faith. The scripture reads like this. It says, Considered a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing. It will be given to him. But let him ask in faith without doubting. For the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So that's James chapter 1, verses 2 through 6. Amen. That first, that first sentence there is what we're going to talk about first. Great joy. Now James starts his book by addressing what's probably one of the most relevant issues for the readers that, that he is talking to as they live. Let's not forget the scripture just isn't floating around in some nebulous and it doesn't have any kind of impact or doesn't have any kind of purpose or importance. It is part of history. It was written at a specific time by a specific person to a specific group of people for a specific reason, right? And we see that in this scripture. Who is he writing to? We understand later on in scripture, he talks about to the 12 tribes. He is writing to the Jewish people who are spread out throughout the Roman Empire. He's writing to them about this Jesus, about this Messiah, about who he is, what his teachings are, how to be a a Jewish Christian, basically, is what he was illustrating, what that looked like in their time and day, how to live that life. He's talking to these people that were born into the Jewish culture, Jewish religion, but then ultimately had received received Christ as their Savior, or were interested in some level in Christ as the Messiah and talking to them, right? Now, I don't think it's hard to imagine how the Roman Empire, we understood how they how they handled things with the temple before. We knew that there was multiple uprisings they had put down throughout history. We knew that the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they went to the Romans and tried to get them stirred up because of what Jesus was doing. They thought they'd kind of stamp down Christianity when they killed Christ, but we know that he resurrected on the third day and his teachings still continue to live today. So we understand that to the Roman culture and to the temple, these Jewish Christians were a, a threat, were dangerous. They weren't liked. They weren't desired by the by the major powers of that time. And they were persecuted and they were harassed. And ultimately, we understand they had and faced a lot of trials. Faced a lot of trials, a lot of hardships, a lot of things that they went to. So we understand why James introduces 
his book, he comes in, first verse that we didn't read says, hello, I'm James, goes through that, and then he goes into the first thing he talks about is trials. Because that's what they're facing. It was relevant. It was important. And I believe that we can understand that even today, it is relevant and important. We still face trials today. There's not a one of us that has lived life that has gotten to their adolescence that has not faced some trial, right? Maybe some have been a little bit more more blessed than others to not have went through as, as many trials it might seem like. Maybe they're not through as bad trials, but we've all been through trials, right? What might not be a bad trial to you might be difficult to somebody else. What might be difficult to one person might not be as big to you, but we all face trials. We've all faced trials. Maybe some of us came in today facing some trials. So writing to the people that were facing harassment, prejudice, violence, trials, and all these things, what does James say? What does James say? He he doesn't say, say, I hate that you're going through this. He doesn't say, that's awful that you're facing this at this time in your life. He doesn't say, I wish that things were going better for you. I mean, at this point, he doesn't even say that he'll pray that this will pass on from them. What does he say? Consider it great joy. My brothers, whenever you experience various trials, right? He tells them, count it a blessing. Count it as good. Now, let's be honest. If, if me as a pastor or any other pastors you've had knows that you're going through a difficult time, knows that you've just suffered some great hardship, calls you and says, well, you should count it a blessing. Probably wouldn't be your pastor for long, right? I mean, I'll wait until after the elections to, to preach this sermon, right? No. But let's be honest, if you if, if you had anybody, anybody in your life, your parents, somebody you loved, your spouse knows you're going through a bad day, and they call you up on the phone and say, well, you should count it a blessing that the kids are acting like hooligans today, right? Well, guess what? You're going to hang up that phone, and, and they might have a suitcase outside and say, go stay with your mama tonight, right? Well, I don't know, but it wouldn't be received well if we just said, well, yeah, you're going through that. That's a great thing, ain't it? But that's what he says. There's no sugar coating. That's what he says. He says, I know what you're facing. I'm a Jewish Christian too. I'm going through the same persecutions. I'm living right here in the center of it, right? I've been through all that. I've seen all that. I know what you're going through. Count it a blessing. Count it great joy that you're going through this. I mean, that seems a little strange. For us in today's culture, in today's church, it would be very abrasive. Maybe even borderline offensive if somebody was to say, tell us that. But here, that's what he gives. That's what he's, the first thing he speaks into their situation. They get this letter, whatever, whoever brought it to them, and they gather around their little houses, you know, meeting maybe privately still at some places at this point because they're afraid of what was going to go on. And they, they meet them there and everything, and they're like, oh, James has wrote us a letter. He sent some great wisdom, some great blessings, some great truth and revelation from Scripture, from, from God Himself. And they open it up and what did it say? You're blessed for being going through this. Looking for encouragement, looking for strength, looking for benefit. And here, we're blessed? I should count it a joy to have to be, look over my shoulder all the time at who's watching me? I should count it a joy to, to consider, be very careful about whenever I'm humming, whatever song I'm humming or whatever I'm talking about, to not let Jesus' name slip out in conversation. I, I should count that a joy? Kind of strange, but this is what James speaks to the Jewish church, the Jewish Christian church. 
great joy. So at this point, his readers had to decide whether to continue to read and embrace what James was, was teaching them or to kind of push it away. And the reality is in Scripture, especially if you look at the epistles that, that Paul and Peter and James here and, and John wrote, you look at these epistles, they're full of what we call in, in, in doctrine and in theology like the hard truths, the hard sayings of Scripture, right? Things that are abrasive, things that aren't comfortable, things that, that we don't, don't always just gel with our idea of Christianity and the flowers and the roses and the beauty and the, and the splendor and the joy of it. So it just, sometimes it just seems abrasive, and this is one of them. To count your trials and your hardships as joy. But this is something that we have to decide just like they did. They could have said, he don't know what he's talking about. Folded up the letter before they even got to the third verse and said, we'll wait for the next one. Or we, we, like them, can decide, well, let's read on. Let's listen to what God has for us and see why it is a great joy. We should hear the truth of Scripture and embrace it. No matter how difficult or obscene or abrasive it may seem in the moment, in the moment we should embrace and receive the truth of Scripture. If we do, James continues for them and for us to show us why it is a great joy to go through through trials. So let's talk about the erosion. Of, of imperfection. In science, there's a process called erosion. Okay, All erosion is is when wind or water comes in contact with some kind of physical thing, usually stone or soil or something like that, and it removes small particles of that. Okay, So oftentimes, we're more familiar with maybe you know after a big summer of rain, the, the creek bank is widened out a little bit more. That's, that's a form of erosion. Maybe the creek that you played in growing up, it was real tiny, and now you're in 70s and 80s, and it's a little bit wider than it used to be, right? That, that's erosion. Whenever the, the road fell off up here, up the, you know, up the mountain and everything, that was due because of erosion, the water coming down the mountain and running away. That's how we most commonly think of erosion. So a lot of times we think of erosion as a bad thing. But erosion also creates things like this. This is the Arches National Park over in Utah, right? All this stone and everything, we understand that it, part of it was created by God used erosion to make these arches. The wind and storm and rain, it began to move particles away and make these arches. What might have been at one point, thousands of years ago, a solid stone, the water began to erode it away and create this beautiful thing by removing certain aspects of it and leaving this, right? So though erosion, we might talk about erosion and think it's a bad thing, that it, it might have an effect on our foundation, it might have an effect on our roads, whatnot. It also does great things like this. God uses it to do great things like that. And James creates this metaphor. And, and I don't know if he necessarily knew what erosion was. I don't know what the science and stuff back then was or what they understood. But what he's describing really parallels with, 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 um, with erosion. And he gives this uh, metaphor later on in the scripture that we that we read about this storm, right? And I think we all know if we've been in church very long, even outside of church, right? We use this idea that if you're going through something, you're going through what? You're going through a a storm, right? And he talks about a storm, a surging seas and waves and stuff like that here later on in the sixth verse. So let's expand that and look at it a little bit. 
this erosion of our imperfections. And a lot of times in life, we go through storms. We go through trials like we talked about. And those, you know, so when it rains, it pours. It seems like it just sometimes comes down in waves of it, sheets of it. Things in life, one thing goes bad, another thing goes bad. The car goes out and you get diagnosed with something and you lose your job. Or the savings, you know, the washer, you need to replace the washer. You replace the washer and now you got to replace transmission. you got to replace transmission. You do this, you do that, and you keep on going. It just seems like it pours and pours and pours. We go through the storms. We go through the storms. And it seems like sometimes, just like in a storm in real life, it was raining, pouring this morning at home. I guess it was here too. And, and you could just hear it bearing down on the outside. You could hear it whipping through the trees. And, then, and we've, I, we've got all kinds of trees back home that have fallen in the past year. And we've seen it around here too. And it just seems like it bears down on, on the, the world around us. And in the spiritual walk, it seems like the storms sometimes, they just bear down on us too, right? Just they weigh heavy on us. The winds and the waves touching every part of our life, just crashing down on it, putting all the weight and the burden of everything on us, just beating us and beating us and beating us again and again and again. So it seems like we may crush or maybe may, may crumble. And that is what James is describing in this scripture. Once again, not using that terminology, but but what we just like the world around us, the stones and the arches, you know, arches national park and stuff like that can erode so too can can our life erode and, and per, certain parts of it be removed so as he talks about in scripture he says kind of a blessing kind of great joy kind of a benefit when you go through trials because trials do what trials create endurance endurance goes and works to completion and it makes you mature and it makes you complete what he is describing and saying there is that when the storms come when the winds and the waves batter on your life if we have faith in God, we trust in God, and God uses and He works in us, then those things can remove imperfections, remove things that God doesn't want there. Not that God sent the trial necessarily, but that He uses the trials to craft us and to make us into something wonderful and beautiful like we we see here. And we might often not don't see that while we are going through that. We might not always understand that, hey, this this trial that I'm going through is removing this certain part, this certain characteristics, this certain thing, my certain dependence on this thing, my desire for this thing, this thing that I, I want more than anything in the world, this thing that, I, that, that is more important to me than anything else, this thing that I always do, this bad habit that I have. Well, this trial is removing that. And we might not see that, but that's what it, it is doing is that that trial is removing something from your life and making, and the end result is that you are more mature and more complete and more prepared to endure through other trials. That's what James is describing. He's saying these trials, you should count it a joy. Why should you count it a joy? Because it makes you better. Why should you count it a joy? Because once you get through it, you're more mature. You're more complete. You have greater endurance. You have it. Also, other translations say it, it brings up patience. It brings steadfastness. It brings endurance. And it makes you more prepared to go forward. And we don't see that in the storm. We don't see that in the trial. Everything else is whipping around. We didn't see that bad habit that we had go out the window too. Everything else is, is crumbling apart. We don't. We don't see that dependency on that bad thing that we had a dependency on go out the window too. But when everything calms down, and we look around, it's like. That left up with that storm too. I don't need that like I used to need that. I don't want that like I used to want that. I don't do that like I used to do that after I came through the storm. 
after I came through the, the trial, after I came through the hardship, after I came through that thing, that whatever I was going through, after I got through that, God used that and removed something from me that I didn't mean there. and made me more mature. made me more the man or the woman that He desires for me. made me more complete. gave me better, greater endurance. There are stories and different things like that. And I, I don't know you know, all the different archaeological things, but there are stories of people that have went out and looked for ruins and looked for things and done studies and whatnot. And after a big storm comes, it washes certain things away where they find a clue or find something that they were looking for you know, when they were digging around. Well, you know, they looked and looked and looked, couldn't find it. Big storm comes and it washes away the things that were unnecessary to get to what they were looking for in the first place. And that's what trials do. Trials wash away and erode the things that are unnecessary, that are imperfect, that aren't good, and leave what God desires of us. Leaves the better parts of us when we endure through these trials. See, what James understood that we often ignore is that the trials were always temporary. Any trial that they were going through was temporary. Anything that they faced was temporary. The leader of that area could be replaced. The leader of that area could be converted, right? And they could end up being where they weren't persecuted. They weren't, you know, done wrong. We understand that eventually one of the emperors of the Roman Empire turns to Christianity, right? And that's how Christianity really began to spread even more effectively because Rome became a, a, a Christian nation. And we see that. So James is like, hey... These trials are going to come, but you don't know when that trial is going to go away. That trial might go away tomorrow. That trial, away, that trial might just fade away in a couple of weeks. Who knows? But that there's things that happen, things and effects that are coming in your spiritual walk that are long-term that you will benefit from long after the trial has gone that you will gather and, and grow with by going through the trial. The things that happen to you, the way that you mature, the way that you grow, the things that you learn in the trial will last well after the trial's over. That's why it says, count it a great joy. It's a place to learn. It's a place to grow. It's a place to become who God wants you to be. It's a place to get rid of the bad things in your life. It's a place to get rid of the things that I don't desire for you. It's a good place to learn and grow in. So count it a joy that you're going through trials. Because when you come out of it, you come out of it better. When you come out of it, you're more mature and you've grown. And you're a little bit more like who I desire for you to be. Man, now many of us, we can attest to this, right? We've been through trials. We've been through hardship. We've been through bad times. And we can attest to that. Hey, yeah, I came out of this. It was difficult going through it. I'm not saying it's not. It was difficult going through it. However, we can also say that we grew from it. And that we became a little bit more like who God wants us to be after that. You look throughout all the Old Testament, New Testament, and you see all different kinds of characters as they go through different things, how they become more who it is that God desires them for me. I think my mind goes to, to Joseph in the coat of many colors, right? We see that we, as we understand it, he probably was a little cocky, right? He goes and he talks about his dreams to his brothers, how about they're going to bow down to him and how they're going to worship him and he's going to be the sun. There are all just little stars around, whatever. And he's got he's got his coat and everything. And he really doesn't know how to, you know, keep it on the down low. You know, he's, he's the guy that knows he's got it all. Make sure that you know he's got it all too, right? So there wasn't he had some, some faults and some rough edges, right? Well, guess what? He went through trials. 
He's thrown into a pit and his brother sold him into slavery. He's taken to Egypt. He's passed around different houses. He's accused of certain things, went to jail, and ultimately ended up where God desired for him to be, which was in second command of the empire, you know, overseeing all these things and making a place for his people to come to. However, without the trials, he still would have had those rough edges. You see those rough edges where he knew he had the gifts. He knew he had what God, you know, God given him these great things to be able to tell dreams and have this power and authority and whatnot. He knew he had that. But what happens through the trials is that the cockiness just turned to faith in God. The cockiness in what he thought he could do turned into faith and believing and knowing and trusting what God could do through and with him. Amen. And ultimately, it was through that process, the eroding away of his imperfections, the bad parts of him, the cockiness and everything, that God was able to craft him into who Joseph needed to be so that God could use him for the benefit of his whole people, of all his brothers, all his family. And ultimately, through that, Jesus Christ comes and everything. We see that. So the erosion of our imperfections that happens through the trials, happens through the storms, happens through the bad times, is why James says, count it great joy. Amen. But I'm thankful that Scripture continues. and talks about wisdom to stand. Now, oftentimes, we're going to read this Scripture again, right? And oftentimes, we think this is two separate Scriptures. We say, consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. But endurance must do its complete work, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Now, here we oftentimes we stop and we think, okay, James has made one point and this is another point. We separate. We, we, we pay too much attention to the little verse numbers that are in there. I don't know if you know that, but James didn't put those little numbers that are in there, right? There should be a verse 5 or 6 uh, right here, and then it goes on, I think right here is a verse 6, right? So 5 and verse 6. He didn't write that. He didn't have the 5 and the 6 in that. We wrote that later so we could put it on Facebook no. We wrote that later just to keep up and stuff. So that whenever they would go to read, they would stop, they would know where to start back. It was just a thing that we made to make it easier on us. He didn't have the numbers in there. He didn't separate it. He didn't have chapters, right? He just had it straight through. It was a letter. When you write a letter, do you put chapter numbers? No, because nobody writes letters anymore. But he had this all written together. So we, where we break it up and say, well, this is this part and this is this part, he's flowing it and threading it together. So... And I want to challenge you, to, and, and we're going to see how they connect. So they continue. It says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and without criticizing, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, without doubting, for the doubter is like the surging sea, driven and tossed by the wind. So this is how it goes. James starts out, and he starts talking about trials, Right? He says, well, these are trials. We're all going to face trials. You count great joy that we have that you have trials, right? If you're going to make endurance, endurance makes you mature and complete. Work of God. Shift for what we think is a shift. And he starts talking about wisdom. He who lacks wisdom. But he who lacks wisdom to do what? He who lacks wisdom to go through trials. On how to face trials. On how to work through trials. On how to get through these trials. He who lacks wisdom doesn't understand what he's supposed to do in times of trial. Well, let him ask of God. Let him seek God out to whenever he doesn't know what to do, whenever he's facing hard times, whenever he's facing trials, let him go to God. Let him ask it. And God will give him that wisdom to know what to do when he's going through those trials. It's one thing for us to say we need to push through trials. We need to hold on, you know, while we're going through things. We need to persevere. 
But I'm thankful that God will give us the wisdom to stand when we're going through trials. Mark talked about in Sunday school about standing, right? About not just laying back, not just folding back, not just moving back, but standing, right? Standing for something. And when we are facing trials, we need to to know, have the wisdom to stand. And it is faith that is key throughout this whole process that James lays out. And it, I thought this was just so cool. As we studied it um, and, and prepared that God just really, really spoke, showed this to us, that James is describing two different types of people in this scripture, right? He's describing one that is full of faith, and he is describing another that is full of doubt, right? So I made us a little, I don't know if it's a graph, I guess it's a chart, right? So this is what he's basically saying. Because he describes these two people. The first is one that places their faith in God. Those are the ones that when the storms come, they find the wisdom to stand from God. The winds and the waves just erode away the, the imperfections, leaving them more mature, a more mature follower of Christ. So the person has faith in God. The storms come, but they have wisdom to stand from God, and it leaves a, greater, a person with greater maturity in their spiritual walk. Then he also describes one that is full of doubt. These are the storms still come, but they're pushed about, shaken, stirred, and, and just tossed to and fro, right? And once the storm has passed, though, they've not grown. They've not become a better person. They've not been they've not matured. They're not grown closer to God. They've just been tossed to and fro. So there's the doubtful person. The storms come. That's the same. There's a similarity in the pattern here. They both go through the storms. Because they're doubtful, they don't have the wisdom to stand that comes from God. They don't know that, that, that they can get wisdom from God to persecute through this, to get through that, and they're just pushed about. They're thrown to, thrown to and fro. They're just tossed by the waves is what Scripture says. And ultimately, at the end of it, they faced the same storm. They went through the same hardship. They went through the same struggles. But they're no better for it. And they grew none from it. And that's the difference. When it comes to having faith, in God or doubting God, this doesn't change between the faithful and the doubtful. This begins to show the difference, but the real difference happens in the end result. The one that has faith in God becomes has greater maturity and grows closer to God through the storm. The one that is doubtful ends up they face the same storm. They really made no progress. Maybe we've been set back, tossed to and fro, worn out, weary from all of it because they didn't have the wisdom to stand. So those two verses aren't just completely separate. James is saying, hey, you're going to go through trials, count it a blessing, right? But if you're going to go through trials, you might as well get the wisdom from God to get through it and to do the best that you can through it, to help you through it. Because if... If you don't have the wisdom of God to stand, it's going to toss you to and fro. It's going to beat you. It's going to batter you. It's going to leave you worse for wear. But if you have faith in God, trust in His wisdom that He has given you, you can stand in it. And yeah, you're going to still feel the waves. And you're still going to feel the wind. And it's still going to hit you. And it's still going to beat you. But instead of making you crumble and crash, it's going to remove parts of you that didn't need to be there in the first place. So he describes these two people. These two different types of people, right? There's all, there's all those little memes. There's two different types of people. One who dips pizza in ranch dressing and then one who just laughs at that person, right? There's two different types. There's a Pepsi person. There's a Coca-Cola person, right? There's Android. There's iPhone people. There's people who have faith in God and they end up greater because and they end up greater and more mature after the storm and there's people that are doubtful. 
and they end up just being tossed to and fro and just thrown off course and worn out and weary. Two types of people. Two types of people. What type of people are we? That's the question. That's what we need to ask ourselves. That's what we need to evaluate today. What type of people are we? Because we can say we have faith in God and we trust in God, but the proof is in the pudding. It's when the trials come that we that really shows up. It's when the hard times come that it really shows do we have faith in Him or do we doubt Him. It's when things get difficult that we can really see how how much faith do I have in God or how much doubt do I have in my life. We need to understand that the trials are going to come. We understand that. We need to understand, though, that we should count it as a blessing, as a benefit, as greater joy that the trials are coming because through faith in God, the wisdom that He gives us when we ask it of Him, the wisdom of how do I get through this, Lord? How do I face this trial? How do I go through this hardship? What do I need to do? The wisdom that He gives us, and then ultimately through that process, He molds us and makes us, and we come out a little better. A little better. And I'm thankful that, that it's faith in Him, through the faith in Him, that I, I'm getting a little better. Man, I'm getting a little closer. I'm growing up. I'm trying to mature. I'm trying to become who it is that God wants me to be. But it's it's by faith in Him. My faith in Him. It gets me through the storms. It gives me the wisdom to get through the storms. And then God uses the storms. God uses the storms. And uses the trials. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. We might, like I said at the beginning, we don't oftentimes or always look at the storms and think, hey, this is great. Now, I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to call you next time something bad happens and say, well, that's a, it's a blessing. I ain't going to do that to you, all right? I understand we're a little bit different people than who James was talking to. But maybe we do need to be more mindful of that, that maybe this trial isn't as bad as, as it seems. Maybe there is a blessing in this storm. Maybe there is joy in the trial. Maybe I will grow through this. Maybe I will get better through this. Maybe something's been removed through this that I won't notice a couple until a couple months later, but but I'm having faith in God that He's doing something in this. That He's doing something in this. Man, and I'm thankful that He is doing something in this. So if you have the need to come,